everybody, Scott Burnside back for two-man advantage, the post-Stanley Cup edition, the first post-Stanley Cup edition. Oh, Pierre, i got to tell you, Pierre Lebrun, I feel really energized, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just because my it just feels like things are happening all over the place, and, and maybe we could have anticipated this uh, even though Tampa is still in mid-celebration after winning their second-ever Stanley Cup and the bubbles are being taken down, uh, bubble uh, singular being taken down in Edmonton. And I, I want to get right to it. And I was reading your rumblings piece, my friend, and I just I think it's so fascinating. So now you're proposing that Tampa will likely likely trade Nikita Kucherov. Uh, do I read that right? <laughs> No, I was trying to, in fact, write the opposite. I was trying to write the opposite, but I, I and, and and I brought up his name in my column today with great trepidation because of exactly that. But it was the weirdest thing yesterday that I was calling around the league trying to get a handle on Tampa, which is a bit early to be doing the day after they won the cup. But uh, I can tell you that the Lightning front office is already hard at it. They've got a salary cap nightmare to deal with, and and I heard from a source who said, well. By the way, Kucherov's no trade doesn't kick in till next week, and uh, which I was not aware of. But uh, I would find that hard to believe. But then again, nothing would shock me at this point. Like I, I, you know, again, I do not think they would entertain that. But they're going to have to do something. And and uh, you know, I, I went through a lot of the options in my column today, and, yes. and it's not going to be easy. Like they've got so many guys on full no trades and. Man, I, I am fascinated. The one thing I can say, I mentioned this on Insider Trading on Tuesday, the sense I got from some sources around the league was that the lightning may surprise us, that it yep. may not be just the obvious names. So stay tuned. Well, and, and that, to me, Pierre, this is a great jumping off point because, you know, we're about to head into, you know, the complete unknown of this 2020 off season. We don't know when the season will start again. 2021. Uh, we know the cap is flat. We don't know how long it's going to be flat. We know that teams are in hell, cap wise, and also internally with their own budgets. As you and you and I have talked about it, and you've written about it. I, I mean, we are in a situation where, and I want to circle back to Tampa, but you know, Bob McKenzie comes you know, out of semi-retirement at his cottage and, you know, mentions, oh, casually, oh, by the way, it looks like, you know, Jack Eichel, you know, there may have been some discussions about a possible trade out of Buffalo. And I guess to me, the point is not... Well, hold on, Cap- finish, but, yeah. but finish Bob's tweets, though. Yeah, that, but that that's... that. the end of the day, Buffalo's not trading Jack Eichel. That's Well, I, and I think the key thing is, as Bob reported, that Eichel seems to have gotten himself back to a place where he's okay to stay in Buffalo. But, right. but still... But still, the fact that there seems to have been, yeah, like a bit of a, 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 bit a journey of, there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. And and Kevin Adams said what I assumed he would say, um, which is, you know, we're not interested in, in trading Jack Eichel. But if somebody calls Kevin Adams and says, you know, what, well, let's have a chat. That's his job as the GM of the Buffalo Sabres. And I, I know it's, you know, but I, I circle back to Tampa now. Julian Brisebois has to do something in order to get this roster ready to play whenever that might be. And I'm with you, right? It doesn't, it's hard to imagine. But when you look at that Tampa roster and you look at the the no move, no trade clauses on, you know, start at the top, uh, 
Kucherov, who doesn't kick in, as you point out, to, uh, until after, was it? it's a week or so, right, till it kicks in on the Kucherov? Yes. Yes. Basically, but, his, his no trade kicks in next Friday when, when the calendar year shifts, right? When you open free agency, normally it'd be July 1st. Right. That's sort of the, you know, that, that's when the new year starts. But, you know, Steven Stamkos, Andre Palat, uh, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn, who has a limited, um, okay, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, <laughs> Braden Coburn. Uh, it's So you're right. So you can say, well, it doesn't make any sense to do this, but you got to do something, and now Julian Breezeball is going to go down that path. And um, I just think it's it's interesting because we are in uncharted territories, and the fact that someone suggested to you, you know, Tampa may do something outside the box, maybe it doesn't, it shouldn't come as a big surprise, maybe. That's my point, I guess. Right. Yeah, and, and maybe outside the box doesn't necessarily mean a player that you didn't think of, but more the way to get to where they need to go, you know, like, you know, maybe there are trades with retaining salary and, and putting draft picks on them. I, I, I don't know. There are a lot of, I mean, Julian Breeze was a really smart guy and, and maybe he's, he may go at this in a way that we we're not seeing coming, but at the end of the day, let's deal with what we know. I mean, as I wrote, Tyler Johnson and Yanni Gore, and this is no disrespect to two players that were top nine forwards and, and very much part of their cup championship but when you look at the fact that they both make uh, five million plus a year it, it's hard not to start with them when, when you're looking at all everything else being equal i mean Braden coburn makes 1.7 million that's not going to do much for your cap issues right so <laughs> yeah, no, so you yeah. got to look at guys that make money that that you don't view as untouchable and and tyler johnson and yanny gord would fit that description the problem is they have full no trades and I don't know that they would have any appetite to leave a Stanley Cup championship team. So it's just fascinating to me. And, you know, uh, Andres Palat's another player with a full no trade who makes $5.3 million. I mean, he just had an unbelievable playoff. Alex Kalorn is the guy that always gets mentioned because he has a partial no trade. I mean, he he's, has a 16-team yes list, 16 teams that he would go to. But... As you know, Scotty, they, they absolutely love that player. And, and he's one of their key leaders, career-high 26 goals this year. I, I don't think they want to move him. But whatever it is that ends up happening, like I said, the word has gotten out. I feel like that Tampa's going to have to make really difficult decisions and some decisions that may surprise us. Well, <laughs> throw into the mix that in, you know, when is it going to be maybe next August or whenever 2021 gets done. Uh, oh, by the way, there's going to be an expansion draft. So uh, also factor in who mm-hmm. who you may be forced to expose at the end of whenever next season gets done. Uh, uh, bigger picture, and, and it's interesting. I don't know. I don't think you and I really discussed the um, the, the deal that saw Mike Matheson go from Florida um, to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Patrick Hornquist, and and maybe I wonder if we're going to see more of these kinds of deals or at least more of these kinds of conversations between GMs and players who have no move, no trade um, protection about, listen, are are you willing to, are you, are you open to having a discussion about maybe moving on? Because, it, you know, my sense in, in what I saw from Patrick Hornquist after the trade, um, like it came as a shock to him and, and 
probably he wasn't very happy about it. But at the end of the day, if I paraphrase him, it's, well, it once it became clear to me that Pittsburgh didn't really want me anymore, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Florida and I want to win a Stanley Cup there. But do you think we're going to see now? Because those conversations have to be uncomfortable, right? It's, you know, I mean, it has to be an awkward kind of situation, but maybe we're going to see more of them because that's the reality of this NHL um, business landscape right now. Yeah, no, and even going back to Johnson and Gord, I mean, that's a great example of a player in Patrick Hornquist that clearly, from the sources I talked to last week, was a, was originally a no <laughs> when the Penguins <laughs> approached him and worked himself to a yes over a couple of days, right? Um, and and I think that's the competitor in him when you, when you're not wanted anymore, uh, that it stings. And, and so I think eventually, but you know, you're uprooting your family. Uh, you know, we're still li- living with COVID. Uh, you know, do the Panthers really want me? And, and, you know, my understanding is once GM Bill Zito had a chance to speak with Hornquist, that really helped get him to a yes. Uh, because you realize that the Panthers, it wasn't just about trading away Mike Matheson's contract, but that they generally wanted Hornquist championship pedigree in their room. So that helped things as well. But, but that's a great example of a guy that, by the sounds of it, from talking to people involved in the situation, that w- was originally not going to wave and and eventually got his way, found himself there. So whether it's some of the Tampa players or other situations around the league, I think you'll see some hard decisions. I mean, you know, there was one made official today, Henrik Lundqvist buyout, the buyout of a legend. I and mean, we had talked about it throughout the spring in some of our podcasts, but this was kind of inevitable um it doesn't make it easy i mean i mean honestly can you imagine that you and i the day that he signed that extension when he was the best goalie in the world at the time can you imagine that we thought it would end with a buyout right uh, but honestly uh you know the first player i thought of when darren dreger first broke the news yesterday about the lundquist buyout was i wonder how the carry price contract will end one day um yep nowhere near that right now. He just had an unbelievable playoff and he remains one of the top five goalies in the world, but there's a lot of years left on that deal. And, and it just makes you think, especially on goalie contracts, how they age and, and how it ends. So interesting. Yeah. Well, and uh, to me, the Rangers are are really interested and I'm uh, interesting. And I'm curious, you know, when you look at the team, and of course we had John Davidson on, um, not too, too long ago after the uh, phase two of the draft lottery mm-hmm. that saw the uh, Rangers secure the number one pick. We assume it'll be Alexis Lafreniere who will be going there in less than a week. Lafreniere. Um, Lafreniere. Um, and, you know, interesting, you know, that the Rangers, uh, you know, talk about a team that are, are, you know, got a lot of pieces that are moving. Interesting, of course, trading Mark Stahl and his contract to the Detroit Red Yeah, Rams. that was a really good yeah. move. For sure. Yeah, it, it, but that's a team now, like they're sort of the antithesis of Tampa now, right? I mean, they've got, they're really young. There's still a couple of restricted free agents that Jeff Gordon's going to have to deal with. Uh, Gorgiev and Goal, um, Tony D'Angelo on the on the blue line, Brendan Lemieux. He's got a lot of RFAs. Uh, Ryan Strom's probably the, the most important one along with D'Angelo. Um, but they also have, as a result of the Lundquist buyout and the uh, Mark Stahl trade, they have the luxury of, of quite a bit of cap space to play with. And I've seen sort of now, do you do you take advantage of that starting October 9th with free agency? They need some help, you know, along the blue line and down the middle. Or do you do you keep your powder dry 
for whenever the trade deadline is in 21 because maybe that's when you make a move. But to me, the Rangers are such a fascinating team because they're so young and mm-hmm. so skilled. Not quite there yet. Um, and, you know, now, you know, with Lundqvist, you know, has been a safety net for, for years and years. And now that safety net is gone with Shesterkin and Gorgiev there, presumably. I, I, what do you make of that whole Rangers situation now? Because they do have one of the great assets needed in the NHL right now, which is cap space. Yeah, and I wonder, one team that I wondered as a potential trade partner, although I have no uh, confirmation of the fact that the, that the two teams have talked to each other, but you know, I wonder if there's something with Calgary that they could do. Is there a way to pluck Sean Monaghan out of Calgary? Uh, which I think would be a tremendous fit with the Rangers. And, you know, what would be the components in a trade that, that you know, could make that happen? Um, because that's just... You know, we've heard Monaghan's name a bit out there now. I don't think it's because Calgary's shopping. In fact, I don't think they are at all. But teams phone. Teams phone because they want to know who's available. And, you know, he's got a $6.375 million cap hit for the next three years, uh, which is commiserate with the number one center. I mean, that's that's a decent contract. That's probably also why the Flames want to keep him. <laughs> but if you're the Rangers, I think these are the type of phone calls that, that you need to make. And, you know, is there something in there? Could you entice him with uh, with uh, D'Angelo in defense, who's an RFA and just had a big offensive year? Uh, what other pieces would you have to throw in there to, to get at Monaghan? So that's the type of thing that I think the Rangers need to be thinking right now because they're, they're, not, they're, they're not far away from being a really good team. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. And do you, I know um, Rick Carpinello and I talked last night uh, on a sort of breaking news podcast after uh, news broke with Darren Dreger, if you're a colleague at TSN, um, with the news that the, the buyout was going to be coming sooner than later for Henrik Lundqvist. And you and I have talked about the emotion of this, but, you know, this is not an emotional business or or it can't be if you're a GM. And it's I think it's going to be hard for Henrik Lundqvist to find a fit, you know, for him, be, given his stature and all he's accomplished. He still doesn't have a Stanley Cup. But is there I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he still has the motivation to play in the NHL, just where there might be a fit, because I'm not because there are so many goaltenders on the market. It's going to be hard, I think. Yeah, and, and what we don't know yet, um, and I may find out here while we're still on, but if I don't, uh, I'll date myself. But I guess we need to find out if Henrik Lundqvist still wants to play. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, he's 38, and, you know, as you said, you know, chasing a cup or or may, may, maybe can't see himself ever playing for another organization. So as as we tape this on Wednesday morning, we don't have an answer to that yet, but that, that'll be important. Uh, to find out. Um, and I know that people, I think, were going to want to mention Colorado at the top of the list if he decides he still wants to play. Here's what I would say. I'm not saying that's impossible, but I will say that, you know, Joe Sackick's never come out after their season ended and saying he needs to upgrade his goaltending. I, I think that they felt that when Grubar was healthy, he was pretty darn good. But they lost him to an injury in that in that in in those playoffs, right? Like, I, I don't know. I think other people around the league have made the assumption that Colorado needs to upgrade their goaltending. I don't know that that's something, frankly, that the Avs themselves feel is accurate within their within their office walls. So, I don't know, something to think about. Well, and I'm with you, and I think there are other teams that, you know, you have to look at. I mean, there are so many 
moving parts. It's going to be so fascinating, you know, once, you know, between now and, and October 9th and then at noon on October 9th, you know, what happens in Vancouver with Jacob Markstrom, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, does is that, you know, what what does Jim Benning do vis-a-vis his goaltending? And if it is, if you make that decision to move on from Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko's your guy, Okay, so now you have to find a nice fit for Thatcher Demko to, you know, apl- you know your your backup. I use my air quotes, but it, it seems to make sense. A you know, a solid veteran mentoring type person. I don't know is is Henrik Lundqvist that guy for a year? I, I don't know that. What about the Washington right. Capitals? Right. I mean, Braden Holpe is going somewhere else, presumably. Right. Unless things change dramatically. Well, uh, I, I think. I mean, yeah, I think the Brian McClellan's been quoted as saying that. Colby's going to market, but that they've left the door open for him to circle back right. to them, which is a smart thing to do. Because right, I think the Caps so, would take him back on a short-term bargain deal is what they would do. Right. Right. Exactly. And so it, it just does, okay, you know, where does the fit, you know, where does the fit? Because there are so many, right? I mean, just Cam Talbot, Thomas Grace, um, you know, it's just a Corey lot of Crawford. guys out there. And the ball, Corey Crawford. Yes. Well, what? yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, there's a lot going on there in order, you know, and where does Henrik Lundqvist fit into that now that he's part of that milieu? So anyway, I, I just think it's going to be fascinating. We don't know yet if Lundqvist wants to play again, but if he does, it certainly adds to the crazy congestion, as you say, Scotty, that we have on, you know, let's pretend that he's going to be picky, but is open to, to going somewhere for the moment. Lundqvist, Holtby, Crawford, now Leonard, Let's have him resigning in Vegas. All signs pointing to that. Craig Anderson at 39, who still put up good numbers last year, Agreed. or decent yes. numbers on a bad team. Yes. He could be on a one year. Jimmy Howard at 36 had brutal numbers last year, but on a better team, can he bounce back on a cheap contract? Uh, let's see what happens with Markstrom, of course. He'd be the pearl of them all, but the Canucks are still trying to sign him as we speak. I checked in on that yesterday. Thomas Grice, who had a 913 as a 1B backup. Cam Talbot who hopes to resign with Calgary, but that situation's undetermined. Anton Huboden, who just had the miracle playoffs. Dallas is obviously going to try. Brian Elliott, who is a very good mentor backup um, uh, to Carter Hart. I think the Flyers are going to try to retain him, but he, as of now, hasn't resigned. Mike Smith, who at 38 may be a bit of a risk, but he's UFA. Aaron Dell. Uh, Laurent Brassois in Winnipeg, who actually... Uh, yes. Not last year. I don't very think he had good. a very good year, but the year before had decent numbers. Yeah, Louis Demang as a three slash can he be or two. Ryan Miller, whom I spoke with uh, recently, trying to figure out if he wants to play again. He had a 907 last year at the age of 39. Anton Forsberg, who's more of a three, but a guy that Carolina got calls on last year. Where does he end up? So those are all UFAs. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of goaltending, and that's not even looking at the trade market where we know Matt Murray is on the trade market. We know that Marc-Andre yes. Fleury yep. uh, is probably on the trade market. I know that Vegas has already talked to a couple of teams, but we'll see what happens. That's a complicated situation. Um, Darcy Kemper is generating a ton of interest, as he should. But uh, <laughs> yes. I interviewed Bill Armstrong last Friday who said, yeah, there's a lot of interest, and I have a lot of interest in him. So who knows if he in, instead decides that he needs Darcy Kemper as opposed to trading him. But put all these names together, and your mind's about to explode, right? I, I just feel like there are more goalies 
that are looking for their next job as opposed to opportunities that exist. It's fascinating. That to me will be the narrative of, of this off season, that, that it is the off season of the goalie and it's going to change. Yeah. You, you think of the pedigree of, of a lot of those goaltenders you talked about Pierre and it's, it's a it's a big deal, and a lot of them have, you know, some whether baggage or red flags. But you know, how do you, what is the value of a guy like Corey Crawford, right? At his age, uh, two Stanley Cups. What about Braden Holpe? One of Vezina, one of Stanley Cup. But yes, numbers. I don't know. Where you know where is his game at? It. I'm I'm glad I'm not a GM looking to fill a, a, an important goaltending role because, man, you you can't get it wrong. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And and for some of these older older goalies, I just want to make a final point on this. Like for some of these older goalies, man, it's going to be unappealing to see all these one-year offers because what is next year going to be? Like if we're talking about a 48 to 60 game season and you're going in as a 1B to a new place to basically play what 15 to 20 games? And then you're up again, and the uncertainty and the, and the NHL revenues are down. I don't know. It's I kind of feel for these guys that none of this sounds that appealing, frankly. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to kick around some other stuff uh, on this Wednesday edition of Two Man Advantage, the first post-playoff edition. Uh, and I just want to say, Pierre, just in case you were I think you're at the top of your game right now, so I'm, I'm pleased to see that you brought the heat today. So, But uh, <laughs> we'll be back in after a very brief break. Don't go away. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I just I felt it was important to give you a little positive reinforcement before we went to break. You okay with that? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, much appreciated. It's not our, by the way, it's not our post playoff podcast. We did one yesterday, dude. What's wrong? Oh with yeah, you? but you that was just, that was a mini one. But this is a first one, the first sort of main podcast. <laughs> right. You know, I like to differentiate. This is the first big Wednesday one. The big Wednesday yeah. one, yeah. Uh, so here, yeah. here's so this means I've... that. You, by the way, this means you're not cheating on me anymore. Eh? <laughs> I know that's it. You're not cheating on me anymore, right? We're only doing you, one, one, one two-man advantage a week now? Okay. That's it. Well, uh, that's true, but sometimes I get called. I did, I did a breaking news podcast last night with Rick Carpinello. We were talking about Henrik. So, you know, sometimes I, gotta, sometimes I step out to the side, but uh, not every day like I was doing during the playoffs. Uh, but I do want to circle back. Uh, I, I, I'm curious of what you, you know, as we sort of digest what happened during that playoff run, of course, it began with 24 teams, with the play-in round, all all that kind of stuff. When I think about Tampa, and, and part of the narrative, of course, was how how they had to suffer the embarrassment of being swept by Columbus in the in the first round in, in 2019, and how that became so much a part of their identity, really, right? It affected how Julian Brisebois approached things. It affected how John Cooper coached and how that team saw itself. And and they they are now the Stanley Cup champions. 
when you look at some of the the other teams in this tournament this summer and this fall, is there a team that you're like, okay, I wonder if this is the kind of lesson like Tampa endured? Is there a team or two that you're like, oh, I wonder if that's something that we'll look back on in the playoffs in 21 and say, you know what, they did learn a lesson, or this is, you know, this is a team that built on that unusual mm-hmm. run. What do you, What do you think? I mean, at first, I want to say Colorado because they're so young and full of talent, and they're and it just feels like their moment has to be now. But I don't know that they there's much of a lesson in them losing to Dallas, other than they got so banged up they ran out of bodies. Like I think a healthy Colorado yep. beats Dallas in my right. mind. Yep. Okay. That's no disrespect to an amazing story that the Stars were. So I don't know if it applies to Colorado, but certainly they'll come back better for. You know, for the, their experiences now in the last couple of playoffs. I mean, Toronto is is an easy parallel because the Leafs have been were knocked out by Columbus uh, a year after Tampa was knocked out by Columbus, and the Leafs have hit a wall. They're frustrated. They just can't get out of their own way. And and I think the way that Julian Brisebois, um, not overwhelmingly, but certainly. Uh, tweaked his roster at the deadline and the elements that he added, I think there's some great lessons there for Kyle Dubas. And it wouldn't surprise me that we see the Leafs, you know, going in a bit of a different way here and adding some of those elements in their bottom six and deviating just a bit. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know that for a fact, but that's my gut feeling. And again, it's hard not to feel that way if you're the Leafs after what you just saw Tampa do. So, um, so I think that's probably the team that, if you're looking for teams that are looking at Tampa, saying, "Huh," I think that would be the one. Yeah. I, what do you make of Vegas? Because they're a team that I don't know. They just sort of they sort of faded away, and it wasn't even against Dallas necessarily, although they did fade pretty quickly against Dallas, but. I, I I didn't really like their you know how they finished up that series against Vancouver the you know the offense went really dry and I, I know that uh, Pete DeBoer has already sort of addressed this but you know it was a team without a captain and I just wondered if that was you know because I, I you know you, I love that Vegas team right I just thought that they were you know I think you and I we talked about it you know Vegas Colorado in a conference final man what a showcase that would be for two of the brightest young deepest teams in the NHL and you know it didn't didn't happen that way and I and I I would hope if I was a Vegas fan that there'd be a lot of soul searching about what went on with that team and I wonder if they're the kind of team that you know they're the kind of team that a la Tampa says you know what we we weren't good enough and and, and this is a lesson in what it takes to go the distance I, I don't know thoughts on that well the difference in Vegas and Colorado is Vegas isn't young. No. I mean, it's it's crazy to think because they're only they've only had three years in their entire history in the NHL. But um, this is a veteran team, and they're built to win now. And and they certainly could have. It didn't work out for them. But it's not like the majority of their roster is under the age of twenty five. You know, I mean, Stone, Pacioretty, Stashny, Carlson, Smith. Uh, Marcheso, uh, Reeves, all those guys are, are over 25 years old. Um, you know, Nate Schmidt, 29, Alec Martinez, 33, McNabb, 29. Uh, you know, obviously they're going to have a veteran goalie either way between Fleury and Leonard. So their time is now. And I think 
that's certainly that the owner Bill Foley wants to win now. I think there's a pressure there on that front office to to again make some pretty important tweaks in this offseason to to get there next year. Um, and that's why I, I think that you've seen them linked to Alex Petrangelo because I think there's genuine interest there that that if you look at the right side of their defense, that he would be an absolute game changer of an ad. But again, <laughs> they're right at the cap. So, uh, you know, for them to get into that situation, and I do think that they hope to, they're going to have to really move some cap money around and uh, and make some trades here. And listen, they've done it. Last year they were in a situation in a pickle and they traded Eric Hall away to Carolina in what was absolutely a cap deal. Um, so look for them to be doing that again here over the next few weeks. Yeah. Uh, all right. What what else is on your mind? I'm I'm, I'm curious about, and I'm not sure Philly falls into the same category as uh, you know as what Tampa went through. But that there must be. I'm curious to see what the Flyers do because coming out of that round robin, um, you know, they were sort of the darlings of the playoffs, right? And uh, mm-hmm. they well, just, they had that great second half for the pause. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and there's so, so much to like about that team. And Carter Hart was so good in the playoffs, I thought, for, you know, about 98% of the time. Um, but it's also a team that must have been, like, because, you know, the offense was really hard to come by towards the end for them and, you know, really got, you know, couldn't really keep up with the Islanders, and I wonder if you if you think that maybe there's Philly's one of those teams that okay are they are mm-hmm. they as close as we maybe thought they were they were going to be? Yeah, um, so this will be an important off season for them. I don't think they have to do anything too dramatic. I mean, I think that the bones are there, um, as I reported this week, and others have as well. They've put uh, Shane Goss's bear on the trade block, right? Um, exactly, which is not shocking. I mean, he was in in and out of the lineup. I mean. Man, this was a young defenseman who really burst onto the scene, who's kind of lost his way, and I think a change of scenery will be really good for him. Kind of like the way, you know, Justin Schultz, when he went to Pittsburgh, looked so lost and then found himself again, remember? And so I think there's an opportunity here for a team with Gosh's Bear, but he's got three more years at $4.5 His actual cash, though, is 3.25 a year, which might be appealing to some teams, but... You know, and, and listen, if, if somehow the Flyers could move uh, JDR and his $7 million a year deal, that would probably be in their interest as well. But I don't know that that's realistic. Um, so they may just have to hope that, uh, you know, and he showed flashes in the playoffs that he can he can find himself again. But really, otherwise, I don't see a need for them to be that active. I, 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 I think their core is so solid and love their blue line and uh, Carter Hart's just going to get better. I'd like to see them re-sign Brian Elliott, which I think they hope to, to continue that partnership. But I, I don't know that the Flyers need to be in the thick of it in terms of off-season trades, generally speaking, other than what we, what we just talked about, than some of the other contenders. I, I think they're, I think, I think they're pretty close to being there with what they have. Yeah, no, I agree. They're a fascinating team because they, there's lots of young talent coming you know whether it's Morgan Frost or or whatever, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's going to be fascinating to to see what happens there. Uh, all right, you got you got last thoughts when you and I chat next week, and we will have been through the first round of the draft, which is on October sixth. Uh, do you think that the lead up to the draft that we'll see a lot more activity, or do you think the activity? will be more, 
you know, sort of as we approach October 9th and the start of free agency? Or do you think it'll be pretty steady regardless? Hard to say. I mean, usually at this point, I have a much better grasp on that, Scotty. But I will tell you that even talking to agents and, and front office sources over the last couple of days, there's there's a lot of uncertainty about how this is going to play out the next couple of weeks. I mean, the fact that we have a draft next week forces some decisions, right? If, if some teams are willing to move a first-round pick, you got to make a call by, by, the, by, the, by the first round. So that'll force some activity. But I will tell you that there are some teams, I think, that are hoping to lie in the weeds a bit on October 9th and not make their play that day and maybe wait for some bargains to really develop and, and frankly, for some players to become quite desperate because of having not been signed. So I, I think there are some teams that are going to play that game. Now, the risk in that game is you end up with no one or you don't end up with anyone you like. But I think we have to be ready for not having it like we're used to, where it's not like 90% of the free agents are signed on one day. You know what I mean? I, I, I think I think it's going to be a little different. Uh, there'll be lots of trades. And as, we, uh, as we're talking, by the way, uh, I just got a text from Don Meehan, the veteran agent for Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, I asked him if Henrik Lundqvist had decided whether he wanted to pursue his career, and the answer is to be determined. So, so no answer, and that makes sense. I mean, I think Henrik would need to work his way through the emotions of the moment here, and and gather himself, um, and and get a pretty solid, probably a handle on the landscape, uh, which of course Damien and Newport will do a great job of doing for him. But um, but interesting, we shall see. Well, and it's just uh, before I let you go that it's interesting. You mentioned that that we may be in a completely different mode come uh, October 9th when free agency begins. And part, I talked to an agent last week, and he said, you know, when when you do away with the talking period, um, which is is the case in this off season. Like the last couple of years, like it, it just ha- it all happened right on July first. It, it just because teams had, you know, they'd had opportunities to talk. Some players had visited all those kinds of things. And like, I, I, you know, I remember thinking, you know, at the end of July first, the last couple of years, like, okay, it, literally, you know, eighty percent of the key players had gone or whatever the number was because it just teams knew what they wanted the marketplace was what it was and and they got the job done and i i i am fascinated now to see whether you're right where it turns on its ear and and it really becomes a slow process of okay really what is what is the marketplace and and especially with all those goaltenders as we discussed that it may you know may take to the end of october or whenever it is to to Mm -hmm. to sort through a lot of it so exactly uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll have stuff to talk about. Is the bottom line? It's all about us. I love. Well, of course it is. I love that. All right. Well, as I mentioned, my friend, fine work by you. You should always check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app, and rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you aren't a subscriber to the Athletic really and who is not now but anyway if you are one of the few you should subscribe now and save go to theathletic.com slash two-man advantage and you can receive an all-access subscription for just one dollar a month and you and i my friend will reconvene next week at the same time and who knows what the landscape will look like in the intervening seven days 
But stay healthy, my friend. Wear a mask. Do good work. Thanks for hanging out. Right on, right on.